Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. As entrepreneurs, we all know how important it is to scale. People starting business think about scaling. If you watch Shark Tank, they always talk about, well, is it scalable or your business isn't scalable? So how do you think about it? And when is the right time to scale? Do you do it from day one and think about scaling or is it something you do later? And many of you have had your businesses and how do you tweak it, fix it to make sure you can scale it effectively? We're gonna dig into that today in a very big way and learn how to scale to six and seven figures and eight figures from someone who's done it multiple times. This is Adam Kipnis and you're listening to the host to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. We are as always brought to you on C-Suite Radio. I wanna thank them for the platform and the support they give to the show. And now let's jump into the conversation. Today's guest is the founder, CEO, and serial entrepreneur who has scaled eight-figure businesses in healthcare, hospitality, real estate, and really disrupted the healthcare industry when creating Northern Ireland's first lifestyle care home, which has been called a world-class concept. Her journey started at five years old in the family business, and we're gonna dig into that starting her first business at 15 and growing businesses to seven figures with three businesses and two employees, and then eight figures with seven businesses and 600 employees. And if you wanna talk about scale, managing three businesses and 600 employees, you have to do it right. Cara Macklin, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. You're very welcome. And I, I look forward to, to learning about it, but I wanna start early. So tell us about that role in the family business at five years old. Some of us don't even remember five years old, but it sounds like it was a pretty important impact in your life. So, you know, people talk to me. I, my first role in my family's business was at 24, my first official role. And, and I was managing a care home of 120 employees at 24. And, and people used to ask me, you know, was it an issue being a woman in business? And I said, well, I never thought about it because I was actually so young. And I looked younger, so I had to worry about the fact that a lot of people potentially wouldn't take me seriously because I looked about 18 um, until someone reminded me, actually, my education and business, you know, was 20 years earlier than that. So I my parents started a business in Northern Ireland, hotels and care homes. Um, so they were the founders of, of the family business. And and I grew up in that business. Um, I remember, you know, the pressures of going to banks, looking for money to lend. Um, staff staff not coming in staff issues um the celebrations of opening a new business the scaling of the next business you know so i was very used to that from a very young age and um and was very well aware of you know the different elements to a business and to scaling it um so that's that's where it all started and, and it definitely anybody that has a family business they know it's it's around the kitchen table you talk about it all the time i i bet and where did business and life, with a family business, business and life can, can become one. Did you and your mm -hmm. family ever say, hey, no business talk now? Or was it just part of the natural way that you grew up? Um, when I was younger, we talked about it all the time as I got older and, and, you know, officially became part of the family business, which my story goes on. I've now left the family business to run my own business. But sometimes I would have tried to intervene and say, guys, like we need to talk about something else or particularly if there was other people in our house, like relatives or that weren't in the business. Um, but I wouldn't say I was very successful at, at doing that. 
<laughs> but you did go out sort of on your own, starting your own business at 15, while you were doing probably work for, for the family, you were an employee, I'm guessing, but you started your own thing in 15. What, what was it and what drove you to, to sort of step away at that, at that young age? So I obviously was still at school and, and my brother and I, we grew up in the countryside and at 15, you can't obviously drive. So the only way to get out to the local nightclubs was buses. And if you grow up in the countryside, there's not a bus service going. So we decided we would organize our own buses. Um, so the bus was a hundred pounds for a 52 seater. We got five pounds each from our friends. Um, and then my brother and I needed a seat on the bus. So we had 50 seats times five pounds was the 250 pounds and the bus only cost us 100 pounds. So about every six weeks, we had 150 pounds between us. Um, and I, I always say, I shouldn't say this publicly, but you can probably appreciate we weren't paying tax at that age um, <laughs> or doing tax returns. So, so that was my first business. But I always, I mean, I remember eight years old being asked at school, what did I want to do when I grew up? And I remember saying, I want to run. There's a, there was a fashion chain of, of teenage girls clothes called Tammy Girl, um, but they had a chain of shops in the UK. And I said, well, I'm going to buy Tammy Girl and I'm going to be the CEO of it and run it, um, which would not have been normal in the countryside <laughs> in Northern Ireland at eight years old to say something like that. That's awesome. With, with your parents, and now you've got cash in your pocket, were, were your parents, um, were they supportive of the entrepreneurial aspect or did they sort of see you as taking over the family business versus being an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we could do whatever we you know, wanted in a sense. I have an older brother and, and I suppose I, I had the best of both worlds growing up. My mother was a teacher. Um, so education was very, you know, very important in the sense that, you know, the message was always very much, it's easy to carry, you know, when you get your education. My father is a typical entrepreneur. He left school very young. And, you know, he, the University of Life. So he was the opposite. He didn't believe that education was important. And he would have wanted us to be in the business from a very young age and, and leave school as soon as we could have. Um, I probably blended the two and, and did both. I, I went on and furthered my education and went and did my MBA. But I also, at the same time, was, you know, University of Life running, working in my parents' businesses, running it, running my own business as well. So I think my, our generation is very different from you know, people in their 60s or 70s who maybe education wasn't as important, um, but but you can you can run and scale a business without any formal education as well. Understood. And last question, sort of on the family business side, then I want to get to building your businesses and how you scaled them up. Was your dad running the, the original business? Was he always scaling or was he running the business? Where, where did you learn the scaling from? Talk, talk a little bit about that. Again, so my parents, I would say, were the perfect business partnership, um, setting aside being obviously married. So my father is an entrepreneur, and that's, I know that's where I get it from. He was always scaling. Sorry, I believe from the very start. Um, I mean, I was obviously very young when he had the business, but when I watch him and look at how he does things, he, he scales businesses and grows them and moves on to the next. And, and my mother was very much a phenomenal business leader, and um, so she operated them and um, made sure everything was was the way they needed to be so again I was I was very lucky that I picked up the lessons from both of them because I've done both um, and now obviously I focus on the scaling side definitely and and a lot of entrepreneurs like you said build a business and move on to the next uh, they get to a point 
I used to, to flip houses back in the, in the real estate downturn here in the States. And I'd get about 85% of the way there. And I didn't care about the trim and I didn't care about what the, the towel racks looked like, right? So I wasn't the perfect house flipper. I needed someone that liked the attention to detail of getting it there. And it sounds like you had the best of both of those worlds growing up where your dad was on to the next, but your mom could make sure that the, the thing was running. When you started your own business and, and you decided, all right, I've got, we've got the family business, but I'm, I need to do more. I need to do something different. Or did you just have an itch? How did that all take place? So the, the scaling, the seven and eight figure scaling businesses was my family businesses. So we worked together. Um, I, I can talk a bit about that, but I'll answer your first question. So it was 2019 and um, I had done an awful lot in the family business. I had opened four of the businesses. We had, you know, I had worked and managed pretty much every department apart from finance. Um, so, you know, HR, I'd done all of that. I'd done the sales and marketing side, the operations, I, you know, physically opening a business. Um, and I just, I felt from the experience that I had gained and, and very much the mistakes I had made, I also trained the year before as a coach professionally um, in terms of business. And I just believed that with those two expertise together that I could massively help entrepreneurs globally who wanted to scale a business um, and do it much quicker. Because I, you know, I always felt if I, I've been very lucky, had great mentors and, and business leaders around me. Um, but I just knew that I could package things together and, and make life a lot easier and a lot more successful for other entrepreneurs who wanted to scale. So that's when I left the family business completely behind um, and started my own business. That's awesome. A, a quick question around scaling before we get into like how you actually do it. Uh, new entrepreneurs, when they think about scaling, they can build systems and build things in. Do you need a business in order to scale it or can you scale from day one, if that makes sense? Um, well, I'm gonna answer two ways. I think people need, you know, Entrepreneurship is a very, inverted commas, sexy word that's bounced around. And a lot of people look at Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, these unicorns. And, and I think, you know, people say to me, are entrepreneurs made or born? And I say both. But you have to understand what the life of an entrepreneur is like. And it's like the life of a doctor. It is not for everybody. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. Then when you get into it, if you want your own business and to be an entrepreneur, then there's two decisions to make. Do you want a business that you're going to run yourself and work in and get a good quality of life out of it as you know is a lifestyle business or do you want the business that you're going to scale now that will very much depend on the personality and the dna of the entrepreneur um because both of those are a very different model and they're a very different way that you have to lead a business and a very different impact on your lifestyle um you know so you need to think of everything else in your life if you're going to if you're the second option which i know i am I believe you need to be the mindset of scaling from day one. You know, I don't think you can actually scale a business from nothing, but you need to, you know, I mean, I'm this business I'm running now is a startup, but I'm already, you know, thinking five years ahead, one year ahead, what's the team I need? What systems do I need? When am I going to bring it in when I get a certain amount of cash? Um, so I, I do believe you need to be thinking, otherwise you build something and then you have to completely change it to build something else rather than building in the foundations and then brick by brick on top of it. Totally, totally. And when you're thinking about scaling, because I've worked with many business owners where they grow the business and they make less money, right? So, so they, they go from point A to point B 
Now they're making less money. They're, they've got more employees. So even though they're not doing the same thing they were doing before, they're still working more because they've got to manage employees and personalities. At what point, I, I guess that's a difficult question, but how do you think about that? Like, how do you think about, all right, I want to grow this thing. I want to scale my business. But there's that point when you're actually working more and making less while scaling. How, how do entrepreneurs plan for that better? And how do they get through that so they don't just end up working, working crazy hours and making less money than if they just didn't scale it in the first place? Sure. I mean, you have to you have to take the plateaus in a business that, you know, the investment has to go in. So there's points along the journey of scaling that that you are going to be making less money. But, you know, there's a, a number of different points in that question. So I'm going to pull out each one. The piece around making money, working hard, managing people and, you know, burning out, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and actually, when you've someone, and this is a lot of the work I do with the entrepreneurs, is they're scaling themselves up at the same time as scaling their business up. And that doesn't happen properly. And then they burn out because what happens is they are doing their job. More employees are coming in. They're not slowly, you know, de and actually not even delegating, facilitating the work down to other people properly. So they can go on to do the next thing so they end up just doing their own job and other things piling in on top of them so they have to work more hours so they haven't figured out or they don't know how to do that effectively you know so i'm i mean we're only like less than six months into this business i've already this morning interviewed another employee to start to take work off one of the employees i have because some of the work i'm doing needs to be passed over straight away because there's other things so i'm constantly thinking how do i every day how do i develop the people alongside me um, so that I can keep moving up. A lot of entrepreneurs don't think like that and then they burn out because they just have to keep working harder and longer hours, which is, you know, I just say, and entrepreneurs think they're invincible. They think they can take on the world and do anything. And I know this from personal experience because I was one of them and I did badly burn out in my career. Your business is, you're, you know, you're no good to your business if you burn out and your business massively suffers. Yeah, I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about it because it didn't all go straight up. Every entrepreneur knows that that uh, businesses just don't go straight up like a hockey stick. There, there are challenges along the way. What are one or two of the challenges that you encountered that, that really stick out that allowed you to have those learning moments, aha moments, whatever you want to call them, where it clicked and said, oh, that's why, and now I can go teach it. What are some of those things that really stand out that, that really allowed you to propel forward? Sure. I mean, one of the things, you know, one way to scale a business, as you know, Adam, is you buy other businesses. Um, so that was one of the ways we scaled. And I think you, you never properly understand until you go through it the first time. You look at one business and all the figures financially. You look at another business and all the figures. If there's similarities across it, you think, OK, we can combine. There's two roles you know, we only need one role there. We, you know, so from a finance point of view, all the finance guys do the numbers and um, it never works out like that because that lovely word called culture um, and the two cultures collide, they don't combine, creates major problems. Um, and one of the things I have always, always been very passionate about, both personally and because of the success of a business is the culture you create. You know, so I say to people, you know, to give one example, I've witnessed many times people recruit for skill. So there's a tick list of you need all these skills. For me, skill is only 30% of what you need, probably less. What are the attributes and the qualities you want in those people? 
and you know you need to recruit a lot so if your interview is one hour i would spend 70 percent of the interview on the qualities and attributes and 30 percent on the skills to give an example so you know anybody listening if they go back and look at their recruitment questions their application questions i probably suspect a lot of them it's 70 80 percent or more on the skill side and probably 20 percent on the attributes and that's where big big problems happen and you can't that's where a huge difficulty in scaling a business because you don't have the right people with the right attitudes and attributes that are going to help you scale that business. That's such a great point. And, and when you talk about employees, because scaling is technology and or employees, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the two things that really do it. Um, how do you look for enough of the entrepreneurial spirit in your employees, especially as you're trying to, to grow but not too much, so you have to replace them again, right? There's a little bit of a balance in bringing your employees that they they believe that they are the owner mentality, but they don't leave and you have to do it again. How, how do you think about that when you're looking at those attributes and culture fit? Um, I have to be honest, and it's, it's very difficult when you bring in a good employee and they leave you, but I actually never think about them leaving. I know they will leave because if I think God, what, what do I do to keep them here and kind of hold them back? Then I will hold them back. P people are going to leave. Um, so I, I just look at it very much from, I need to get the right person in the right role. And, and the challenge is first, when you're scaling the business, the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what is the role? Do we have the right role? Because as you're scaling a business, the roles constantly change and develop. And that's a big problem. You have someone in a role and a business is scaling. And actually with everything that you've done, they might not be able to scale up into the next level of that role. That's the biggest challenge, actually. Um, but then if, you know, so what is the role you're looking for? What is the type of person? And have you got the right person in the right role? Are we, do we talk about the right people on the right seats on the bus? Um, and, and you create the, the right environment around them as, a, you know, the most important thing, and I say this to everybody that I work with, the direct leader of the employee is more important than anything else. More important than policies and procedures, training and development, rec, you know, official inning, how the leader leads them and um, will have the biggest impact on their life and on the success of the business. So, you know, I would invest in my leaders and invest, you know, more than I would ever invest in training and development, for example. That's awesome. That's such great information. We're talking with Cara Macklin here on the Entrepreneurs MBA podcast. Um, she's been kind enough to, to create a webpage just for the listeners here to get more information that she's built. It's www.caram.org.uk slash the entrepreneurs MBA. I'll put it in the show notes as well. She's got information, training, a webinar, things for, for all of our listeners to, to get. And I really appreciate you putting that together, Cara. When, when you think about businesses, and you just said you started a new business. So I wanna know what is the new business and what made you say, all right, I've got enough time on my hands. Let's start another business in addition to the ones we've already got. What, what went into that thinking and what's the new business? Well, Adam, you know us entrepreneurs better than anybody where there's a bit of craziness. Um, yes, the same 2019, I, I just believe, you know, I could have a bigger impact. Um, I felt, you know, I thought in my mind, if I had 20 of the best entrepreneurs in the world who wanted to make a massive impact on the world positively, if I put them together and worked with them and accelerated their success, the impact I could have on the world would be so much greater. Um, so that was a part of it. I mean, one of the, one of the 
things that I did in, in our, our business was, our family business was created a culture of um, kind of innovation and creative thinking. And that was right throughout the whole organization. So, you know, constantly thinking of new ways, better ways, you know, some leaders say to me, oh, Cara, I'm new, no one ever comes up with solutions in this business. Like no one else thinks of anything. I've never had that. Um, I've actually always had staff coming to me with, but I created that culture and, and I didn't think it was that unusual, but but I then realized I'd created a system of how to, to do that and get the best out of people and, and their ideas. And I remember saying to people years ago, I said, this, what is now called the new norm. Um, I'm not saying I predicted coronavirus, but I did have conversations with a lot of people years ago saying, this constant change, technology, we're not even out of Brexit yet in the UK and Ireland. Um, the constant disruption, political change, climate change, you know, all the things. I said, that is business environment now. So leaders who don't have the ability to, you know, think creatively, adapt quickly and get the best out of their people. I believe that's the, be the number one skills that leaders need today. They no longer need, you know, to be an expert in finance or, you know, they have that okay, but once they get to the very top level, there's a very different level of skills required. Um, and I could see a lot of leaders didn't have it. You know, they were very expert in their own area. Um, but the, I believe, I mean, again, I think coronavirus has shown us that I think for the first time in history, the, the people in the upstairs of organizations had to start lifting the phone and ringing the bottom level on very simple things like what are we going to do now we don't even know how to set up a zoom call guys um so the whole thing is turned on its head you know so who would have thought five years ago like a ceo of a multi-million pound company would be ringing someone 10 layers below them um to help them do their job so so that from this has sped that up massively um so again i felt that you know hospitality is an industry that changes very quickly always has done so we you know and i've been through um recession and property um in 2008 here so we we have property as well i have my own property um so i i just felt with all of that you know that was good experience to help people what we're going through in business now and what i you know i have to disappoint your listeners and say what i believe the new norm that is the way it's going to be i, I don't think it's going to be any different in the future well, hopefully there's a whole lot of positive that comes from that, right? Obviously, we want, we want to, to talk to people and meet people in person, but uh, the amount of time I've gotten back in my own personal life is, is amazing. I'm not on planes. I don't have to stop at the dry cleaners on the way home. I don't have to drive from client meeting to client meeting. I can do six in a day instead of three in a day. So I think there's a, there's a lot of huge wins. Something that you brought up about the um, business owners who don't necessarily feel that they're getting ideas or feedback from their employees is as entrepreneurs there's a fair amount of ego that goes in to to a lot of us and there's there's some control in this is my baby i built it for the for the most part and i know i'm over generalizing but do you feel that 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 control and that ego is in someone's dna or is it just they didn't learn how to listen better or learn how to ask the right questions of their employees when you're working with your entrepreneurs and, and helping them scale, I'm sure you see people that are very open and people that are that are a little bit closed. Do you feel it's something that can be trained for most entrepreneurs? I do, yes, but it's like anything, you have to be open to it. I think, you know, I say to people, success is actually one of the biggest problems we have in business because, you know, if you take a very traditional business, 
that's been very successful doing the same thing for 30 years, all of a sudden, so their leader could be arrogant or have an ego. And, and in some ways, maybe they're right to have an ego because you know, you're looking at their figures, you're looking at their business, and they've done the same thing over and over again. The challenge is that they have spent 30 years doing one thing. Or, you know, so I say it's like going to the gym for 30 years and lifting 30 kilograms of deadlift, dead weight. But whenever you get hit with something like coronavirus and you haven't stretched yourself in the gym for the last 30 years, you've just lifted the weights, coronavirus will knock you out. So it's, and again, that's where I teach people a system now because people often think, oh, like visionary leaders, they just sit in a dark room and it's like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs and they're like this one-off, you know, no, there's there's principles and things that those people all do um, that, that makes them that way, actually. Um, they, they're not just these creatures dropped on the planet. Um, so so it can be taught to anybody. And for me, it's a, it's a discipline that needs to be built into every entrepreneur and leader now because lots more coronaviruses are coming. And if you don't have the flexibility, adaptability, and the be, you know, be able to come up with new ideas and change. And you're, you know, and when I talk about new ideas, I don't mean just creating the next iPhone. I mean, how do you constantly, you know, there's, it's the 0.001% every day. You know, so every month in our team meeting, there's only three of us. I said, we have a process where we go through like what went well last month, what did we learn? What do we need to improve? Who can teach us to do it better? So we're tiny notches and um, ideas all the time. That's so important. And in the last few minutes, I know, uh, so everyone, you need to go and, and check out the, the information in the webinar that she put together. Again, the website's in the show notes. But a couple of, of first steps, like there, there are people listening who they know they need to scale. They're getting a little bit caught up in the day-to-day. -day. How do people start the process? Obviously, watching your content that you provided is going to help, but what do they do first? Like, all right, I get it, Tara, but I don't even know where to start, so I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Sure. First thing I would say to people is they need, you know, I said at the beginning, they need to decide which type of business they want, and they need, you know, this is real deep heart stuff. Now, you know, you're not scaling for the sake of scaling, and this to be easy. So it's a it's a certain lifestyle, and you know, so have a look at staying as a lifestyle business or scaling it and do you really want to scale it if you choose the second option I always say to people the very first thing I recommend you do is write out a list of absolutely every single thing you're doing as an entrepreneur um, and the hard part of, and you referred to at the beginning is entrepreneurs we hate documenting things we hate looking backwards we're on to the next thing and we are great starters and terrible finishers so we're like the 85 90 percent people and the last 10 percent so if you can't do it yourself get someone who works in your team or a secretary or what to follow you around and literally document every single thing you do. And then look at that and think what on that page is high impact stuff that I should be doing and what on that page could someone else be doing? And get the stuff that someone else could be doing and teach them how to do it properly and get it off your desk immediately. And that'll free your mind to start thinking about how you're gonna scale your business. So that would be the very first thing. I love it. Create capacity in order to do other things. Cara Macklin, thanks so much for being with, with us today and for sharing your knowledge and your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. 
Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.